You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. I'm going to try and get through this, man, um, and not for the reason you might think. No, it's not the Packers sucking. It's uh, fatherhood. So it's my second episode uh, with a co-host. My daughter is sleeping on my chest. We'll see how long she stays asleep, but she did not, not want to go down. So she significantly ate into recording time. i got to get out of here in 30 minutes, so i got to record and... I didn't post in that time, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so I wanted to talk today um, <laughs> about a bunch of different things. My big question was going to be, how did we get here? The team sucks, <laughs> and there's absolutely no reason why they need to suck. I put that I put on Twitter. And some people were jumping on me and saying, what do you mean there's no reason why they suck? And so I, for the podcast, I'm changing it to there's no reason why they need to suck. There's a lot of reasons why they do suck. There's no reason why they have to continue to suck. It's painful to watch all this just incredible talent get completely squandered. But like the players are squandering it themselves. Yeah, I think that coaching is a big part of this, but I don't think that there's a lot of places in the game where you can look to and say talent is being wasted because the coaches aren't using it correctly. It's much more like talent is being wasted because coaches aren't motivating these guys to care enough to play well. Isn't that what it feels like? And I think that there have been a lot of things that have led up to this point. But it's still weird to be here. And and I was thinking back over the last couple years. The steps that it took for us to get here. Because the Packers looked pretty bad to end the 2021 season. 
Obviously, the Niners game was what it was. The Lions game, I'm not positive we win that game if we left our starters in. I'm really not, because we were down at halftime and kind of playing like garbage. We had that one really good drive where Bakhtiari was at left tackle. Outside of that, the whole first half looked just sucky, and the defense was sucky. I mean, they coughed up 37 freaking points to the Lions. Like, the combo of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love under center led to 30 points for the offense. You should win against the Lions if you put up 30 points. The offense was not the problem that day, even though I don't think the offense looked very good. Against the Vikings the previous week, we were playing a defeated shell of a team. And we whooped up on them. Hooray, congrats. I'm not sure the 2022 Packers, if they went up against that depleted Vikings team this week, would do the same. The previous weeks before that, uh, we played the Browns on Christmas Day. That game was a comedy of errors. <laughs> the defense couldn't stop anything. The Browns beat themselves. Packers didn't do any beating. Against the Ravens, that was a weird game. You're going up against a backup quarterback like we have like basically all year so far this year. Um, at times, things looked really good for the Packers. And at other times, they just fell apart. And that was the game where we started to all collectively question Darnell Savage. And, you know, you fast forward to where we are now, it sure seems like he's just not the guy. The game before that was the Bears game where the special teams gave up, like, the worst special teams performance of all time. And we gave up 30 points to the Chicago Bears, who were a just trash offense. Now, some of those points were directly a result of special teams, and so you can't blame the defense. But the defense still didn't play great against the Bears. Offense put up 45 points, and I would argue that was maybe kind of the last really good offensive showing from the Packers. Like, they've, they have hit 30-plus points uh, three times since then, but... They haven't looked fantastic doing it. We coasted into that 49ers game kind of already about as disjointed as we are now. Like, it seemed to come out of nowhere, that 10-point game in the playoffs where the offense couldn't stay on the field, couldn't convert a single first down. That felt like it came out of nowhere. And then you sail into this year, and it's just more of the same. So to everybody saying, well, it would be different if we had Devontae here. Would it? I mean, it, it might. It really might. But but would it? Because we did have Devontae in that game. And I'm not exactly sure what went wrong. I know that that team didn't believe in itself. We heard that from Robert Tunyon. He was talking after the season ended about how they just went into that game just feeling really down on themselves <laughs> despite having won 13 games that season that they went into it like feeling like losers, defeated losers. And then they played like it. Yeah, they were missing MVS in that game. And yeah, we've got a, a supposedly a new deep threat now this year. But <sighs> the offense hasn't really worked since then. And I don't 
think it's scheme. Because there are times when the scheme clearly is is working. The uh, week two game against the Bears, a lot of the time the offense was just beautiful. The execution kind of sucked a lot of the time, you know, and you had stupid errors. I think that was the game where we had two fumbles, the one botched handoff, and then the snap that bonked Christian Watson in the butt. Kind of hope we had seen the last of, of those kind of mistakes after that, but they keep coming. And the weird thing for this season is that for a while, the offense was actually getting better every single week. Week one, we put up seven points against the Vikings. 27 points the following week against the Bears. Then step back, 14 points against the Buccaneers. But you get 27 points again against the Packers and... At that uh, against the Patriots, and then at that point, we were all freaking out about the defense, and rightfully so. The defense was really not good. It was bad. Our offense could only put up twenty points against the Giants, ten against the Jets, fourteen against the Commanders, and we're heading into this game against the Bills. And obviously, we shouldn't feel like we have any hope. But really, if the Packers, excuse my co-host, she's got stuff she wants to say. If the Packers came into Buffalo and either won the game outright or kept it really close, who would be surprised? Nobody. I think we would be annoyed. I think we would look at them and say, well, gosh, you know, it would have been nice to have not gone... 0-3 against the crap teams we just faced, since you're clearly capable of playing at this level whenever you feel like it. They have the horses. Their roster is as good as the Bills. They could beat the Bills if they were playing up to their ability. But they're not. I don't know what's going on in their practice. I would say, can't be anything good or useful. (laughs) If you're putting out on the practice field what you're putting on the game field on Sunday, I don't know how you can go into any of those games thinking you're going to win, but they clearly think every week they are going to win. They were shocked and gutted that they couldn't beat the Commanders. They were surprised. I don't think anybody in the audience was. I do want to talk about the roster, because obviously when you look at this team and it feels like nothing's going right, you have a lot of questions, you start pointing fingers, and you want to know who did screw up. Because somebody did. Is it? It's it's probably one of Gutekunst, LaFleur, or Aaron Rodgers. Now, you could lump a bunch of position coaches in there as well, but I think that that is shifting blame from Matt LaFleur. It's his employees. He's the guy who's supposed to be hiring good coaches. I don't think that... LaFleur has a fantastic track record of hiring coaches. I think there's been kind of a number of busts, if you will, among his coaching hires. He's also got some obvious studs in there as well. You know, and people, a lot of people are asking if the struggles we're seeing are just a result of the massive amount of coaching turnover that we experienced this offseason. They're pointing to. Hackett and Getze leaving and 
and uh, Justin Outen and like you know how how much does that affect everything on the, on the offensive side of the ball and you're shifting Steno from offensive line to offensive coordinator is he really the best fit for that I think they're all valid questions but I also would just point to the end of the last season looked like this season looks and I think that because they made it to the playoffs because the record was so good and because the offense or I'm sorry the defense was doing so well in that playoff game. I think that we kind of brushed that playoff loss off a little bit more as a fluke and didn't properly put it in context of the team was not playing like a team. They didn't believe in themselves. They weren't communicating with each other. They were not covering up for each other's mistakes and making each other better. And that's where you're seeing them start the season off this year. And I said on this podcast and on Twitter and on my other podcast, all offseason, I said, I think the offense is going to have a slow start. I think it's going to take them a little while to find their groove. But we're seven weeks in. You should have found it by now. We are minimum two games past when you should have ironed out the last of your hiccups. You should be cooking on all four burners right now, not getting worse every single week. Looking at the roster, there are a couple of obvious problems with the personnel. Everybody wants to point fingers at the wide receiver room. I agree the receivers are not good enough. I do think that there was a defensible argument up until this year of the way that the receiver room was handled. Really, there was. You had Devontae. You had young guys that you believed in, like Lazard and MVS, who I think were good enough. You know, the Bukowskis of the world are going to tell you that they were not good enough, and a lot of fans agree. BS. Look at our offensive output in 2020. We were fine. 2021, I still don't think the issue was receiver. I've heard a lot of people try and point to the 49ers game in the playoffs as the example of you needed a receiver. Maybe. I don't really buy it. I think that it didn't help. I think it hurt that you were missing MVS. But again, he had MVS, and he was the answer according to these people who are saying that we struggled because he was out. However, this season, I think, is when that changed a little bit. You had Devontae previously. You got draft capital in exchange for him. Now, I really like Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt a lot. You know I'm not a big fan of Christian Watson. I don't think he... Well, he's not a guy I would have drafted. Put it that way. Now, I understand. So I'm, I'm looking at Christian Watson as a draft prospect, not a big fan of him, but I know with utter certainty that this is a player that Gudikins is going to be obsessed with and in love with. Why? His athleticism is off the charts, and that gets Goody so excited. Got a lot of fans excited, got a lot of fanalists excited, but no matter how much you loved him as a prospect, you could not deny 
that he was extremely raw and needed a lot of development. And so he's supposed to be the answer to we we need a wide receiver or multiple wide receivers so that we can go out there and win some games. I don't think that that was an okay plan. The time to draft Christian Watson is when you have some starting wide receivers and you want to develop him into the uh, moss that you think he can be in a couple years. The time to draft him is not when you need a guy. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. (laughs) We know that the plan never was Christian Watson and Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins and all these guys that, that, that they were going to carry things because they tried to sign Devante. Now I'm glad they didn't. We're going to talk about money in a second and I'm going to try not to get heated. I'm glad they didn't re-sign Devante. I think that would have been terrible. I'm glad that Devante said no, because we needed to not pay him all of that money and all that guaranteed money in future years. But he was their plan, and then when that fell through and they got this draft capital in exchange for him, I like the Quay Walker pick. I like the Devontae Wyatt pick. But you took the asset that was Devontae and you turned him into non-wide receivers. Actually, I should clarify about Quay Walker. I... I currently like the pick. I did not like the pick on draft day. Um, I didn't like Quay Walker as a draft prospect, but admittedly I didn't look at him very closely. All right. So this is like a, after the fact, yes, I like the pick Devonte Wyatt. I was all over. I wanted him so bad and I was so excited when we got him, but Quay Walker was going to be our first round pick. All right. So you got, in exchange for Devontae Adams, you got Devontae Wyatt, who I really like. I'm really glad we got that second first-round pick that we ended up being able to draft Devontae Wyatt because of. And then we traded up for Christian Watson. And I don't know if Gudikins thought that Christian Watson was going to be able to be a big contributor in year one, if he did think that. That leaves a lot of questions for me about his judgment ability. I think that they really convinced themselves that they didn't need a receiver. And that was really true when you had Devontae. You you did not need another receiver. Everybody thought you did. And I said all along, I don't think they need a wide receiver too. I think that they need a Devontae replacement. I said that during the 2020 draft. Now, looking at the 2020 draft, we've had enough time to, I think, start formulating our opinion of how that draft panned out. Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah Deguar, those are the big three. Were they a good pick? We really got to get to the end of the 2022 season to make a full assessment on that, but it just it doesn't look good right now. Now, I like Josiah. I don't want to cut him. I think he should be around here for a long time. I think he looks like one of our better offensive players. Not that that's saying much. 
I still don't know that he was worth a third-round pick. And A.J. Dillon uh, in the second round, you know, we I, I like him a lot. I think there's questions, valid questions, about how much he helps the team. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't think it was a bad pick. I still think it was a weird pick. I just, I think it's kind of always worth bringing it up and acknowledging and and talking about it. I don't, I'm, I'm not ready to slap a a good or bad label on that pick, but it was a weird enough pick that I think it is still worth talking about. And the Jordan Love pick is complicated. It is really complicated. We know that they traded up because the list of players that they had, you know, a first round grade on was shrinking so much. And at the time that they traded up, Brandon Ayuk was still available. Justin Jefferson was still available. I think they probably would have taken Ayuk. <sighs> would rather have Jefferson, but I think they were planning on taking Ayuk. Had all three guys been available. Those two guys were gone. They had already traded up, and Jordan Love is the last guy left. And I'm never 
still, even with how this is kind of panning out, I'm still never going to criticize the Packers for prioritizing finding your next quarterback. You have to do it. Especially because over the last decades, how often are we picking early enough to grab a good quarterback? Not very often. So you kind of got to do it when you can. When a guy falls who you think could be the answer, and I disagreed with the assessment at the time that Love could be the answer, I still kind of disagree now that he could be the answer. But obviously I'm still willing to keep giving him shots, willing to keep letting him develop. Uh, Still hoping for his success as long as he's here and wearing green. But along the way, somewhere you needed to grab a wide receiver. And what we understand as the reality is that Goody prioritized the defense so heavily. Because the defense was so bad for so long and still isn't fixed. We have thrown an absurd amount of capital to build a very talented defensive roster. And we just can't nail the defensive coordinator higher. I got a lot of thoughts on that. Maybe I'll save that for next week's podcast. But the offense was neglected, not... Very many draft picks have been spent on the offense. Um, almost all of them have been offensive line. We have drafted two, sorry, three running backs, uh, two tight ends, a quarterback, a handful of late round wide receivers, plus Christian Watson. And the reality is, by the time you got to 2022, it was too little, too late. That's not even debatable. It was too little, too late in terms of help for the offense. I'm just trying to acknowledge Goody's role in where the team is at right now because I really like Gutekunst. I go to bat for him all the time. I still really like him, really like his drafting. I did an episode a few months ago where I went through all his draft picks and compared you know, during his tenure as GM, who has done the best job of drafting, I came to the conclusion that he has done the second best job in the NFL of drafting since 2018 behind only Chris Ballard from the Colts. I still really like Gutekunst. A lot of people are attacking him and throwing their criticisms at him, and I think it's fair for someone who clearly likes him a lot to acknowledge that he hasn't been perfect. I don't think he's the problem. Because you do have enough talent to win. We see it. Even this year, we've had games where the offense could get going. And when they're not going, it's usually because guys can't stop making stupid mistakes. And it's guys like David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and Aaron Rodgers. It's not being caused by Josiah DeGuara, who you hate. It's not being caused on offense by Amari, who you hate. We won't talk about him on special teams. The Packers can be good anytime they decide to play like themselves. When Jair remembers how to cover a guy, we can stop allowing deep shots. (laughs) When Rashawn and Preston remember how to seal the edge, man, that's going to help a lot in run support. 
It really is. Hey, kudos to uh, Savage and Amos this week. They remembered how to play football. They remembered how to be safeties. That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker remembered how to play linebacker. See, they can do it anytime they can. It's it's in there. These are talented players. They're not playing like it. I think a lot of the blame falls on the coaches and on the veteran players. I think Jair has a stinky attitude. I think he has had one for a while. I've been frustrated about that. I think Rodgers has a pretty stinky attitude. It shows up like (laughs) every time he's on the field, you can see how much his heart isn't in it. I think he could turn a lot of that around whenever he changes his mind. The future is concerning. And this is a big part of why I don't really want to go get a wide receiver now. I think we should have turned some of that capital that we put into Christian Watson into a different wide receiver option. You know, get a guy who is described as pro-ready, who looks like he can come in and play right now. There were guys in the draft taken after Christian who looked then and still look now like they're making bigger contributions. And I understand that we needed a deep threat. We needed speed. I understand that. But but if you just wanted a guy who was fast and could run in a straight line, dude, there were guys taken way later in this draft class who could do that. There were super, super speedy guys who were taken later. That's not why you drafted Christian. You didn't draft him to just be your speed demon. You drafted him because you think he can become a superstar in a few years. And that's great. But because of the way the Devontae situation went down and because of the way that the cap has been managed over the last couple of years, or I should say mismanaged over the last couple of years, you did not put yourself in a position where you could afford to wait for Christian Watson to get good. So, you know, it would have been really cool had you correctly managed the cap, had you correctly kept that position stocked so that you had a number one. You know what? And and he's here now. So, you know, we're, we are uh, reaping the consequences of making that decision. But now we also get to enjoy the benefits of bringing him in, which is over the next couple of years, assuming he develops well, we can see him turn into a stud. But we're paying for a lot of the sins of the past this year. Particularly 2021, I ranted and raved and railed about how upset I was over the way the 2021 offseason was handled. Coming off that Buccaneers lost, the Packers felt like they were right there and they weren't missing any pieces and they needed to just run it right back with all the same guys, hanging the cost, which you could have done had it not been for the pandemic, but we decided, no, special circumstance, Let's be irresponsible with our cap. We're going to have to pay for it in 2022, 2023, 2024. But for 2021, we can win a Super Bowl because we're right here. So let's run it all back. I was really mad about the way they handled the cap and all the money they pushed out in the future and all the binds that they put us into with Zedarius's contract, Billy Turner. I forget who else at this point there were. There were guys I was really upset about (laughs) with their contracts. And through all of that, you never 
got things figured out with Aaron Rodgers in time to actually make the correct decisions. See, we burned all our money, burned our future, and then it was revealed that Aaron Rodgers wasn't sure he wanted to come back. You should have locked that down first, right away. I think it would have changed how you drafted. For example, look at Amari Rodgers. Now, if you knew that Rodgers was going to force your hand to bring back Randall Cobb, would you have drafted Amari Rodgers? Now, I was not a big fan of the Amari Rodgers pick, but I think that he is way more talented than what we have seen so far. And because we have Randall Cobb here, we have relegated Amari Rodgers to playing freaking special teams, which is not even what he's good at. And because he sucks at special teams, we're not giving him opportunities on offense. And I think he could still be a good player on offense. But like so many other places along the Packers team, you're seeing a failure to communicate. Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are not on the same page. They haven't been. They haven't been. You don't bring in Amari Rodgers with a third-round pick to have him play punt returner because you want to bring back your old buddy Randall Cobb to do who knows what. And you know why they had to bring back Randall Cobb? Because Aaron was mad that you didn't draft a wide receiver that he wanted. Now, why, why is wide receiver such a big deal? It's such a big deal because... Rodgers is making a big deal because the floor is making a big deal because Gutekunst is digging in his heels and insisting that it doesn't have to be a priority. I don't think wide receiver is our biggest problem, but it is the issue that the Packers are fighting internally about the most and it bleeds out into the public and the fans are arguing about it and the media is arguing about it. Is Rodgers right? Is LaFleur right? Is Gutekunst right? It doesn't matter. Any one of them could be right, but they're not working together as a unit to have a like-minded approach on this. See, I, I think that drafting a wide receiver or not drafting a wide receiver, both options can be fine. What's not fine is not being on the same page about what kind of offense you want to run. <laughs> LaFleur and Rodgers don't agree about what offense they want to run. And I'm not sure which of them is is closer in line with um, whoever the heck is talking to Brian Gutekunz, but Gutekunz has his own vision of the team. And I think Gutekunz's vision of the team could also be successful, but nobody's working together. I think any, any, any option would work. What doesn't work is everybody trying to do their own thing constantly. All right, um, ran out of time. I really want to talk a lot more about the salary cap and money. We'll see if we can maybe do that next week or we'll have a more cheerful topic. But, man, this Bills game, the Packers could win it. They could decide to practice well this week and play as a unit and go in there and actually give the Bills a good fight. They could do it. I don't think they will. And I think that even if they did all that right now, I would say that you probably need a few weeks of humming together to go in and take down a Bills team that is working on all on all cylinders. The Bills are not the most talented roster in the NFL. They're not. They have weaknesses all over their team. But it doesn't matter because of how they play, because of how they're coached. The Packers are broken because they're not working together. You got some guys playing selfish football. 
You got some guys who are just have their heads up their butts and then their teammates next to them don't notice and don't cover up for them. You got a quarterback and coaches and a GM who all are not on the same page with each other. Leadership is what's lacking. But the talent is there. The talent is there. They could bring it <laughs> to Buffalo. Let's see if they decide to. But uh, for now, I mean, this is not a playoff team because it's not it's not a real football team. They're not playing together. They're not playing for each other. They're not playing for their coaches. They're going through the motions. And that's, that's what you're seeing, and it's sad. All right. You guys have a fantastic day. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, wish I could have more time to talk to you and, and get through some of the other points on my notes. But I think a lot of this was stuff I needed to get off my chest. I'll see you guys uh, later this week for No Huddle Radio. And then, of course, right back here next Wednesday on the Packernet Podcast Network.